This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. All right. Thank you. Thank you. It's good to see you here. It's an honor to come out and worship with you today. If you're a guest, we welcome you. All you visitors, I thoroughly enjoyed worshiping with you today. Something happens when the body of Christ comes together and just worships and seeks God. So bless all of you. If you need a Bible, once you get your hand up and our ushers would gladly get you one, then we'll go to the book of Luke chapter 9. I don't know how you came in today. I know many of our ladies are back from the retreat. Just let the things that God did in your heart up there, let it stay with you. But, you know, you may be bound, oppressed, tormented, sick or lame today, but the Holy Spirit of Acts, is, He's still the same. And so we pray that you won't leave here like you came. And I believe God wants to touch every one of our hearts. And uh, last week we ended a series, and some things with that series have really been in my heart, just as far as biblically it says, anoint each other with oil and pray over them. And so I encourage you to continue to do that. Again, we're biblical around here as far as we want to anoint you with oil. Let the things of God happen and one of the ladies in our church took it so seriously, she went and bought a, a bottle of oil and said, Pastor, would you pray for it so I can take it home and anoint my house? And so we welcome that, but also the laying on of hands, that the Lord has specifically told us to lay hands on people in Jesus' name. And so again, the oil is not a magical potion. These hands aren't any other hands except the hands of God, and so we're going to have an opportunity again today to walk through that and as Matt introduced this, we're going to talk a little bit about servanthood today. Two of the, the greatest things that are most precious in my heart is loyalty and servanthood. And I know many of you have been very loyal for years and just the hearts of service that some of you do daily. And if I started mentioning names, I may leave someone out. So again, I just want to say thank you for all who serve. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. As we think about the things of God, if God only used perfect people, nothing would ever get done. And so again, God, God will use us right there where you're at right now. And when you look at this thing called life, the, the average lifespan is somewhere around 70 years, 25,500 days. So you've got to ask yourself this question. What am I doing or what will I do with my time here on earth that God gives me to do? And God's ultimate goal is every one of us here are to impact people. When you look at Jesus' life, when he walked the earth, it's very clear that Jesus walked about with compassion toward people. And his heart was always for people. So let's just get into the word here today and I believe we'll be taught some things. Luke chapter 9 verse 23. Then Jesus said to them all, not just a selected few, not this one or that one, but Jesus said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. Now when you see right there the words of Lord Jesus, he said, I must deny myself. That means I can't live just with only me and mine. And he says, I must deny myself. So you think about some of the ways the Bible instructs us to do things. In the book of Romans chapter 10 verse 9 it says that if you will believe with your heart 
and confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, you would be saved. Now in that verse, it, it actually says, if you will confess the Lord Jesus. It didn't say the Savior Jesus, it said the Lord Jesus. So if you've said the sinner's prayer and you prayed for the Lord Jesus to come into your heart, Jesus is now Lord. Meaning, Jesus is now your master. And so I'm going to give you another verse. In Matthew 7, 21, he says this, that not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom, but he who does the will of my Father. And so just in looking in that, just with the words there, we're told to deny ourselves, but we're actually told there in Matthew 7, there's some things that we got to do. So again, I, I don't believe the Lord's saying just sit around and theorize the things of God, but He's actually saying you got to do something. Put a little walkie-walkie with your talkie-talkie. In other words, that if I really have given Jesus my heart and He's Lord of my life, there should be some evidence within my life to show that Jesus is in there. That something has happened, and when that something happens, it's not only for me to live for myself or even my family, but it's for me to become Jesus' hands and Jesus' feet right here on the earth. Thank you for that excitement. He said, let him deny himself, take up his cross, only on Sunday. He said daily. I'm to take up his cross daily. Indicating a progressive and continuous desire. Or not a desire, but a, a way to stay away from myself. In other words, it's not about me. I've got to continue daily to live for Jesus. And he ends this verse and says... And follow me. And follow me. Verse 24. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. And so when you begin to see what he's saying there. He's talking about I'm going to have to live with a commitment to him. And if I live with a commitment for him. There's going to be a sacrifice in my life. And it's no longer just about me. It now becomes, I'm going to live for the cause of Jesus Christ. And so guess what that means? Just maybe the only people that will ever see Jesus in their life will be through you. Now is that a good thing or a bad thing? See, again, he's looking for people that will serve him. Go with me to the book of John, chapter 15. And then we're going to go to John, chapter 17. Just one verse in each one of those passages, just to show you that I'm to take up the cross for his sake. Not for my sake, but for his sake. John 15, verse 16. The Lord Jesus speaking here. I'm hearing pages turn, so I'll wait. It's a great sound. That's the way it ought to be in a church. And I know some of you are clicking and scrolling. That's okay too. But again, the only way God gets in you is you get into God's Word. And you know what? We've really, really, really got to get back to the Bible. John 15, verse 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you. 
And I appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. The New Living says, I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit. The message says, I put in you the world to bear fruit and it won't spoil. Now, it's interesting right here that Jesus' words, they're very strong. He said, I chose you. I chose you. You are a chosen one. Now, this will date many of us in the room, but I go back way, 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 way back when I was a young boy, and I remember there's posters that were out, and it would be a a poster of Uncle Sam, and he would be pointing at you, and he would say, Uncle Sam wants you. Well, I want you to get this right here. The Savior of the world, he's pointing at you. And he says, I want you. And so when we look at Jesus' life, Jesus did what he was supposed to do. Jesus came and died for all our sins. Now you know what he's saying? I choose you. I want you. And it comes to this. Do I accept or I reject his offer? But Jesus says, I want you. Now, it's interesting how he ends that verse. He said, that your fruit should remain. So when I get saved, it shouldn't be this week-long view of, woohoo, look, Jesus is in my life. But it should be a continuous that there's fruit in my life. And the Lord said, they'll know you're my disciples by your love or by your fruit toward me. And so when we go to a tree and you look at an apple tree, what do you expect out of that tree? Apples. To a degree, when we get our heart to Jesus, what should begin to happen? There should be kingdom fruit in every one of our lives. Now, I will throw this out here. If you've given your heart to Jesus and there isn't kingdom fruit in your life, there's two things that we ought to look look at. We're very lukewarm, or two, did I really get born again? Because if you really got born again, there'll be fruit that will go with it. Thank you. Turn to John chapter 17. John chapter 17. Verse number 4. I have glorified you on the earth. This is what the Lord Jesus is saying. And I have finished or completed the work which you've given me to do. Now the Lord Jesus, he finished his work. Remember when he was on the cross, some of his last words where he said, it's finished. It's finished. Jesus, he he finished the job. And Jesus' finished job was the ultimate sacrifice. And so every one of us in this room, we're called to make a difference here on earth. And so in order for me to to live like Jesus wants me to, it's going to be a sacrifice. It's going to come to a commitment with my time, my energy, my resources, my emotions. And Jesus is saying, you know what, as I finish the job, I want you to do it. And so he's called every one of us to be servants of his. Now, just think about this in your life where you're at right now. How many of you wouldn't be in here today 
if it wasn't for some person that chose to be involved in your life as a little child. See, oftentimes we give our heart to Jesus as children. And it's because someone chose to serve in children's ministry to say, you know what? I'll rock the little babies. I'll minister to the kindergartners, to the two-year-olds. And oftentimes we think those things aren't prestigious, but they're huge in God's eyes because Jesus said he loves the little children of the world. The red, the yellow, black, and white, they are precious in his sight. And nothing's changed. And you know, statistically, I see that when a human being gives their heart to Jesus as a little bitty guy, the chance of them of serving God their whole life is incredible. But what happens if that person wouldn't have served? Wouldn't have been committed? Maybe you got born again when you were in the student ministries, whether in a youth group, maybe as a young adult in college. Someone stepped out and said, you know what, I'll serve. Maybe even in in adulthood. Maybe you were touched on a Tuesday night through a mentoring class. I know Maria's here. I know Stacy Havens is here. I know there's many of you that serve in that capacity to say, you know what, I'll sacrifice my Tuesday night to make a difference in somebody else's life. So again, Jesus right here said, I finished the work. You know what I want to do this morning with many of us? I want to re-inspire us today. You make a difference. You make a difference for the kingdom of God. And I say thank you. Turn with me the book of 2 Timothy chapter number 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1. And through this passage right here, you're going to see Every one of us in this room are called. Every one of us. And when you serve uh, for the kingdom of God, you're actually serving God. You have a special work. You have a special assignment. You know, the president years ago, John F. Kennedy said this, ask not what you can, ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. See, it's the same way within the church. We're not just supposed to go to church. We're supposed to be the church. And something happens when that begins to happen. And I believe a lot of times people walk around without any purpose in their life because they never serve. They never give out. And if you've ever studied the Dead Sea in Israel, it says that the Dead Sea, water comes into it, but it never goes out. And it's the same with me and you. That we were designed by God to take the things of God into our heart and give it out. And so maybe the void in your life is right now is you're the Dead Sea. Ooh, Pastor, that's good. 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 8. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. Nor me, his prisoner. Paul calls himself the prisoner. But share with me in the suffering for the gospel. Wait, wait, wait a minute. There can be some suffering for the gospel? Yeah, there's going to be some suffering. And if you want to note what those were, you can study in Romans 8. That there are going to be people that may not like to hear the gospel. But you know what? The apostle Paul never backed off. 
he kept on going and said, I'm a representative of heaven. And he goes on to say, For the gospel according to the power of God, who saved us. Who saved us. Now what I want you to see here, when he says he saved us, it wasn't one dimensional. He saved us and he called us with a holy calling. In other words, not only did he save you, he called you with an eternal significance. It's called a holy calling and you say, not me. No, 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 wait a minute. I don't know what you're not getting about that verse, but if he saved you, then he called you with a holy calling. Oh, pastor, I don't have anything to offer. That's not what the scriptures say. Watch what the scriptures say. With a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purposes, his own deliberate plan. And he grace which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. So this is how it looks. When Jesus saves you, he calls you with a holy calling. And when he calls you, he purposes you. And to fulfill the purpose, he graces you, which is his empowerment and his ability within you. So you know what he says? I'm not just going to throw you out there. I'm going to grace you to be able to do it. And so he wants to help you. But so many of the times we have this thought, I don't have anything to offer. Oh, yeah, you do. Many times we just don't know what's in us, where it'll be offered. So how do we figure that out? We begin to serve. We begin to serve. And before long, you know what you'll find? You'll find your niche for the kingdom of God. It may be children. It may be usher. But guess what? If he saved you, then he called you. And so right here when we begin to see this, this is to fulfill his holy calling that you have a place, you have a function, you have an assignment right here in this house. There's a because factor in your life. You know what the because factor is? Jesus. It's Jesus. So what an opportunity to become his hands, to become his feet, just to continue to serve him and say, Father God, I, I, I want to live for you. You know, in Romans 12, verse 1, it says, you are a living sacrifice to God. And so don't ever underestimate the importance of service. Ooh, God, God sees it. Now, what's amazing to me is many of you, you'll see our praise and worship team up here. You'll see me up here. But I believe the most significant things in the kingdom of God, and I say this with all my heart, is the ones who serve behind the scenes. When hardly anybody ever sees them. So you know who sees it? God. And God says, because you were faithful even when people didn't see me. So I believe with all my heart there will be incredible rewards in heaven for people who serve behind the scene. And they said, man, Lord, I'm coming. I'm coming, I'm coming on Sunday morning to serve you. I'm, I'm coming to, to, to be your hands and your feet. And they serve with a passion. Let me ask you, how many of you in here, whether it was Friday night or Saturday or Sunday, you've watched football or you're going to watch football, and you watched with a passion? Come on, you raise your, you watched with a, but don't lie. I mean, how many of you screamed at the TV? How much you yelled at the, the, the other team or did something? 
I yelled and yelled yesterday. I become passionate. I become passionate about yelling for a team. But how much more should we wake up on Sunday morning and say, Lord, I got a passion. I got a passion for the kingdom of God. I mean, there's many of you today, if the Cowboys score, I mean, right there in your living room, you may do a cartwheel. Now, on a 10 right there, that was about a 3, I know. But you got to realize, that's pretty impressive for 57, wasn't it? See, again, and we serve God with a passion. What an honor to thank the creator of the universe. Not only did he save me, he called me. He called you. Now, I want to go here to end this morning with this. Go to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew 25. And what you're going to see here is the words of Jesus pertaining to servanthood. And I believe through this, this will be a wake-up call. I want to stir up within you the, the gifts that are within us. Maybe to go to another level. Maybe to say, you know what? There's stuff on the, on the inside of me that needs to come alive. Matthew 25, verse 31. When the Son of Man comes, and He's going to come. He's going to come. This is going to happen. This isn't a fairy tale. When He comes in His glory, and all the holy angels within Him, they will, He will sit on the throne of His glory. All the nations will be gathered before Him. And he will separate them one from another as the shepherd divides his sheep from his goats. Now, if there's going to be a, a division between the sheep and the goats, you know what this tells me here? You're going to have to make a choice. And what you're going to see here is something that'll say, where does your loyalty lie? Verse 33. And he will set the sheep on his right hand, but the goat's on the left. Now this is one day, if you're left-handed, you want to be right-handed, okay? Just remember, you, you want to be on the right, alright? Verse 34. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you. What a statement. Now we're talking about eternity. Now what I want you to see is how he qualifies this. Just, this is the Lord Jesus. This isn't thus saith pastor. This is thus saith the Lord Jesus. Verse 35. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. And I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous ones. Then the righteous ones. The righteous ones are the ones who were believers. Those were the ones who acted on his word. You know who the goats were? The pretenders. The unbelievers. But he said to the righteous, they will answer him and say, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and you gave you drink? 
When did we see you a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, As surely I say to you, Inasmuch as you did it to the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. You did what to me? You sacrificed. And you served. And you literally lived committed to me. If you go back and look, they were the ones that said, Lord, when did we do that? And so again, they did something. They made a difference wherever they were at. And so even right here today, you've got a holy calling. You've got a purpose. When people say to me, well, I'm just a housewife. No, 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 no. You're a lot more than that. Well, I'm just a school teacher. No, no, no. You're the hands and the feet. Well, I'm just this. Or I'm, uh, uh, uh. Everything in our life has kingdom purpose. And sometimes when we get squeezed, like Paul said, that there was suffering for being a Christian, you know what? Sometimes we have the thought, I need a different job. I, I, I need to get out of here. It's not easy being here, but have you ever thought this? That just maybe, you may be the only hands and feet of Jesus that people will ever see that reveal Him. And Jesus may be saying, I got you right where I want you. I got you right where I need you. I've been there. I worked in a job like that. Oh my gosh. There were days I thought, Lord Jesus, you got to help me. I mean, when you go to work and they tell you good morning by giving you the finger, you think, oh my gosh. That's the truth. You know, and I begin to find out the reason I work there is because people needed to see Jesus. It's the same with you. Now, let's go here a little further with what Jesus says about this. Then he will all say to those on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. And when I read that, that's reality right there, God. There's a heaven and there's a hell. And this may break your theology a little bit, but not everybody's going to go to heaven. And I don't want it to end that way. And so I just wonder about this little thought right here I want to give you. That if you've ever studied heaven, heaven's an incredible place. No more tears, no more pain, no more sickness, no more death. Kind of makes you want to go there right now, doesn't it? But when I get born again and I give my heart to Jesus, why doesn't Jesus just snatch me out of this broken, messy, chaotic, and angry world and just go ahead and take me to heaven? Because he needs us right here, right now, to, to fulfill his purpose here on earth. Because there are going to be people that will go to hell if we don't make a difference. Verse 42. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not take me in. Naked and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Now watch this. This is, this is incredible right here. 
Therefore, they also will answer him saying, Lord. They will look at Jesus and say, Lord, we confessed you as Lord. And so I jump back to what we quoted earlier in Matthew 7, 21, where he said, there will be many of you who will call me Lord, but you didn't do the things I asked you to do. So again, don't limit salvation to just a one time prayer. That's why he said, when you get born again, there ought to be some fruit, and that fruit should remain in your life. There should be some changes. There should be some evidence. And you know what some of the evidence is? I don't cuss like I used to cuss. I don't sin like I do sin. And if I do blow it, it bothers me. It convicts me. Keep reading. Then they will also answer him saying, Lord... When did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger, naked or sick or in prison, and did not minister to you? Then he'll answer them, surely I say to you, inasmuch as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. So now he gives me another truth that not only when I do things, I just don't do them, I do it as I'm doing it to the Lord. Woo, Father God, I'm your hands. I'm, I'm honored. I'm, I'm blessed to be a blessing. I'm saved to serve. Do you know the word minister and servant are synonyms? It's the same thing. So many times we think a ministry, he's an apostle, he's a prophet, he's a pastor. Do you know what? Every one of us are called to be ministers. Every one of us in this room. We all have a function. Now that's next week. Because you'll see the pinky's no different than the head. We all have function. He ends in verse 46 and says, And these will go away into everlasting punishment. Everlasting punishment. We may have the thought that's not a big deal. It's a big deal. Everlasting punishment. And I think about this. I don't want it to end that way for people. I want to give people an opportunity to give their heart to Jesus. And he goes on and ends that verse and says, but the righteous into eternal life. So when I read this right here, when I function like Jesus desires me to do, with Jesus in the equation, we give a broken world, we give a messy world, we give it hope. But when I never step out into any of this function, this is what happens to people. So literally, me and you can alter people's eternity by how good we are to them. I mean, I think when we do something good to them, we let them know, I'm doing this because of Jesus. It's all because of Jesus. I was at the hospital the other evening. Before you go in, they, they make you get out your ID and they take a picture of you and then they put a little sticker on you to make you feel important. And the line was rather long. And people in America, we don't like long lines. Man, they were grumbling and complaining. And so I get up there and the lady who's running it all, she says to me, I'm sorry this has taken so long. And I said, no worries. You're just doing your job. And so she puts the sticker on me and gets me everywhere I need to go. And I said, God bless you. He loves you. 
and I appreciate what you're doing. Her little head did a 360. And again, just with one statement, it changed her heart. You could see it just like that. And so the next time you're at Walmart and the line's long, instead of being the complainer, pray a blessing on that little girl, that little guy, and say, God bless you today. I appreciate what you're doing. Just those little statements. I was getting my car vacuumed, and I was sitting out there vacuuming. I looked up, this was a couple weeks ago, and this police officer, he's walking across the parking lot, and I said, excuse me, sir. And he turned around and looked at me, and he had that look like, do I need to tase you? And I said to him, God bless you. I appreciate what you do. Woo, the love of God. Just the love of God. And he looked at me and said, I appreciate you telling me that. So again, we have an opportunity to be the hands, to be the feet. To literally to be the voice of Jesus. And so last week in study, and I began to look at Different starts of, of books in the Bible. The, books of, uh, the book of Romans starts with this. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ. The book of Philippians said, Paul and Timothy, a servant of Jesus Christ. In, in Titus it said, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ. In Philemon it says, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ. In the book of James and Second Peter, it starts with Paul, a servant of God. Why do I say that? This guy wrote the majority of the New Testament. This guy was probably the greatest apostle of all. And he didn't come out and say, Paul, the greatest apostle of all. Paul, the writer of the majority of the New Testament. Paul, the man with the the power and the hour and all the above. No, he described himself as... The servant of God. That moves me to read that about him. The saying, I'm in this to be a servant of God. So I began to look a couple weeks ago about the laying on of hands. In 1 Timothy 4 verse 14 it says this. Do not neglect the gift that is in you. But through the laying on of hands. And that verse was cross-referenced into 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 6. And you know what it says? It says for us to lay hands on you to stir up the gifts that are within you. Now when I read that it didn't say lay hands on them and stir up the gifts that may be in them. Or if they have any gifts. No it says specifically We're to lay hands on each other and stir up the gifts within us. And so every one of us in this room, we're commissioned in many ways. To be a daddy, you may need hands laid on you to say, we want you to serve, to be a great daddy. Even in the realm of marriage, we may lay hands on you to say, stir up the gift of a wife. What's so among the church even? That sometimes we don't act because we don't think there's any gifts. And I can go through the, the Bible and oftentimes that's what happened. There was a man named, named Gideon in Judges. 
And God showed up to him. You know what God said? Hey, Gideon, you mighty man of valor. And Gideon looked around and said, you got the wrong address. I'm, I'm not the mighty man of valor. You know what his exact words? He said, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh. And I'm the least even in my own house. You know what he's saying? You got the wrong person. And God said, you mighty man of valor. And when God changed his heart, he became a great leader for the kingdom. Do you know the man Moses did the same? God said to Moses, he said, I need you. And what Moses said, I'm not eloquent in speech. And God said, I've signed you up. How often do we look and we have that thought? I don't have anything to offer. Oh, yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. It resonates on the inside of you. And today, it needs to come back alive in some. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.